everybody and welcome to PhD Positivity Hug delivered by myself, Beata Young, the founder of Woman On It, joined today by my guest, um, who is Mario Kaiko. She's the, uh, the manager for Kindred um, Malta and she's been with Kindred for how many years? Um, it kind of varies. Basically, I think for 2017, I joined Kindred uh, via company acquisition, so that's why the date is a little difficult to define. And you've been actually in many various roles uh, that were in tech, so you've been project manager as well as CTO. So yeah. the question we would like to start, what led you to this specific career path, Mario? Mm, it was, I wish I could say that I had a big plan to start working in technology. Uh, I, I really didn't. It was more of a, a coincidence. Back in 2007, I really needed a job. And I found a job at that a company was looking for someone to uh, maintain uh, some tech projects and I applied and I got the job and then when I um, I got into it I'm really excited that I kind of knew that I have found my thing uh, but I didn't really know anything about software development before the job. I was always a nerd though. <laughs> I, I, I got a computer with my first summer job money and I, um, I built it from all the different parts and so on so I kind of had it in me anyway. <laughs> Okay, so Mario, but the, the question is really, did you study technology? Did you go into the field uh, consciously or uh, did you see the future in it? Uh, when I started to work in technology, I was still studying actually, and I was studying finance. Um, I did finish my degree because I, I thought that, you know, there's never going to be anything that I regret from doing the finance degree. It's quite useful for anything. Um, but all the technical aspects of my job, I have learned by doing the job. Um, but when I got into working in technology, uh, I got really, really excited about that and I'm really into it. So I really dive into that and started to uh, read everything that I got into my hands and so on. And uh, from what uh, we spoke before, because we, we met over a year ago and uh, I discussed uh, with you the, the prospect of uh, founding this com community. So you were the first, one of the first to know about it and uh, you really light up to this idea. And I have to say that I was so pleased to welcome your company, Kindred, one of the first iGaming companies to join us, uh, which was uh, very big big news for me because uh, not many people knew how really this community is going to help them along the process but i think we delivered some interesting workshops we had some interesting topics we had discussion also in your offices uh, some time ago organized by you and your colleague and so i'm just wondering why do you believe there is such a need of gathering, women gathering and, and discussing and together, not only women, because I always say we are for you. So whether it doesn't matter whether you're female, uh, what we are trying to achieve is balancing technology because we need 
everybody involved. We need to shift from community of users of technology into communities of uh, creators of technology. So why do you believe there is such a need for women in technology? Mm, I think not only the women who already work in technology join these meetings and join to participate to you know see these kind of streamings and everything also the women mm. who are considering a career or might be interested to, to um, start learning coding or something and i think that communities like this they fix uh, misconceptions. There's a lot of misconceptions on what a career in technology might mean, but in reality there's so much variety and there's definitely something for everyone um, to do. So I, I really like fixing those misconceptions and telling people and telling women what kind of things you can actually achieve and what kind of things you can be involved with. Uh, I think that's super, really, really important. But at the same time, it's it's all about like creating the connections and uh, getting to know each other because we do tend to, you know, recruit the type of people who we have met before and, and, and so on. Yeah. So that's really important as well. Absolutely, I can agree with you more, but today we are going to topic is leadership of the future. And one thing that I really liked discussing with you was the fact that women on it is not just a community of women in tech we are here to deliver more leaders because my job is going to be so much easier if we've got a community of leaders who are willing to make a change and by this big wave we can create a storm so why do you believe there is um, there is a future for female leadership that's a really good question um i think that i i talk a lot about like modern leadership and i do write articles about modern leadership i think that the requirements for leadership have changed a lot and I believe and I think and I have seen that women have a lot of those qualities that are required in today's leadership. Um, we used to talk a lot about soft skills and, and we tend to think that people skills and leading people are soft skills. But I believe that these soft skills in today's world are hard skills. And um, it's the emotional intelligence and, and leading people because the jobs have become really highly specialized. And there's a specialist uh, software developer. They have years and years of training behind them and a lot of experience. And, and how you lead these kind of people is so different than how you would lead um, I don't know, an organization of well, people usually always refer to army, for example, but uh, yeah, and I think that women have a lot of these qualities and skills and they can be excellent leaders, very successful, excellent leaders. So, Absolutely. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, <laughs> to, to, to Maria, to, to interrupt you. You've got... Uh, uh, I would say uh, double meaning uh, name, and because and actually you said 
you know, don't worry, I'm a, I'm a female because everybody can see <laughs> you're a male. And actually, that could probably be a helping factor factor uh, in your career because apparently female leaders are perceived uh, either as being too weak or too aggressive. So, mm -hmm. and, and male leadership is, and uh, it's proven by research, male leadership is more welcome. And actually, Melinda Gates in her book, The Moment of Lift, How Empowering Women Changes the World, talks about there are two feelings uh, that is necessary in uh, leadership, that a leader should have. One is empathy and one is love. And actually that really strikes me as a very interesting topic because nobody talks about love. No politicians talk about love. You wouldn't hear about, oh, let's talk about love in today's board meeting. And yeah. so why, why do you think Melinda Gates says that this is critical for leading your team? Love is critical for leading your team. Um, like I, I mentioned, like you're leading highly specialized people, so you're relying on them a lot. You're relying on them to deliver and knowing to know that they know what they are doing. And so you need to offer something else, and, and that is the, the environment that they work in. So you're providing empathy and you're providing encouragement and you're providing positivity and, and all these kind of things and to be and you need to be kind of genuinely interested in the people that you're working with so uh, i haven't heard um, anyone saying anything about love but um i think you kind of need to love what you're doing you need to love leading people in order to be good at it and i think people know this that they know if you're yeah. like it or if you don't like you know being uh getting if you're not a people person and you don't like it at all and you're not very social people know that yeah oh, oh absolutely i i have to say that uh, actually uh, having teams with different backgrounds uh, and knowing what their needs are what their History is is really helping in informing the team and uh, in onboarding yeah. them. And uh, although I have to also say, because uh, part of my business is also back in Poland, and when I moved to Malta, it was quite tricky for me to still manage my team. So uh, because I couldn't see them face to face, I couldn't see their uh, expression. Sometimes it was just a phone call. Uh, we didn't really use that much of uh, modern technology, I mean, in terms of Zoom or other platforms. Uh, but I had to make sure that they are uh, at the same level. They know where, where the company is going. How is onboarding now for you? Did you, for example, have to hire someone while being working still remotely? Or did you have to maybe make somebody redundant? Um, um, I'm lucky. I didn't need to make anyone redundant. Um, it's just a, a, a really big deal for me. But I did onboard someone. Uh, I did recruit her earlier, but I did onboard her during this time. And it's been quite interesting. Uh, when my team started to work remotely, I encouraged that we move all meetings to video meetings. And now that people have gotten used to it, 
everyone is using it because so much the communication is non-verbal and it's happening, you know, you're reading facial expressions and so on. So when I onboarded someone, um, we have a daily catch up with her uh, and, and by the end of the day and we chat and, you know, she's telling me what she's been doing and what she needs from me and what kind of tools she might need or, you know, just it's an informal one, so you know we talk about everything. Uh, but you know the the technical onboarding that she's doing, um, she's doing a lot with other people than me. But I might connect her to the right people and so on. It has been it's been quite quite interesting. But I think you know she's done excellent job, so I'm very happy. Mm, good, good. I think it's also again it's like with personal face to face contact you have to know the person and you have to know what tickles them, whether it's money, whether it's uh, other means of motivation, you need to um, be make sure that uh, you motivate them the right way. And uh, this is where actually emotional leadership comes in. I believe that uh, when um, Kevin McLeary talks about uh, why women are delivering the best return, he actually talks about the fact that uh, all his uh, investments made in women-led business uh, uh, gave better return because they were more emotionally connected. They gave, um, uh, you know, the, the path that was much more clear because they could uh, express themselves much better than male. So how was it for you? Did you find similar traits and was it easier for you as a male versus uh, other uh, female uh, versus other female colleagues? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't really compare myself to others, but I do think that I have a bit of a different approach to, to leadership. And I do think that I, it kind of emotionally connect with people. Um, I aim to show always genuine interest in them. So, you know, when I talk to them and ask how they are, um, I really listen what they say and ask for more questions and get to know them on a personal level. Um, also, because I want to build personal development plans and to know what you know, the people I could add, what kind of skills I need to uh, encourage more, what kind of skills we need to build on. And they are not always technical skills only, they can be something like confidence or communication or and things like that. So you need to get to know people in order to be able to do that. Um, but like I mentioned before, I said there's a future in female leadership because women have a lot of these qualities like emotional intelligence and so on. I do find this extremely useful and um, successful skills. Mm. Fantastic. But you know, that's one more thing you mentioned earlier about women being referred to as aggressive and this. Um, it was quite interesting. GitHub also made a study and they studied. Um, how much a code created by women gets accepted. And when people knew that it was created by women, uh, there was a clear um, difference that they got less 
accepted. But if they didn't know the gender, uh, the women code was accepted in more, more cases. So you know, the quality was actually better. Um, and then, you know, the female were often referred to as, you know, aggressive and, you know, all these kind of terms and the men were never referred to those terms. So... Well, there is definitely this perception, but uh, small steps lead to, uh, lead to big accomplishments. And I'm a firm believer in micro actions, which are the tiny bits of actions that um, if you take them every day, they're going to make uh, the process much easier. So, yeah. and actually, uh, this, this brings me to uh, this great story of Eleanor Roosevelt talked about to handle yourself you need to use your head, but to handle people, you need to use your heart. So that actually applies very much so. And I think given the fact that you're a mother yourself, or you recent mother, and you've got a 10-month-old uh, son, I was wondering, you know, how did perspective change for you? Because for my, for my um, observation, I changed after giving, giving birth to my daughter and I was more kind of emotionally unstable and uh, you may call it however you want, maybe it was hormones, but actually, you know, I discovered that I cry after a sad movie or, you know, Titanic or whatever the movie was. And uh, how was it for you? Was it a difficult process to come back to work? And I know that you've got some exciting story to share about how your parental um, obligation are shared at home. So how was it for you, Mario? Well, I... It, like coming back to work, uh, it wasn't that difficult for me. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, I don't know, it's an exciting story. But my uh, when we did plan to have a baby with my husband, uh, we already then agreed that he would stay home to take care of him as a you know, stay at home father. Um, and I did take five and a half months off from work, and then we went back to work. And my, my husband is, you know, still taking care of our son. Um, it, it wasn't that difficult for me to get back to work because um, I just knew that my son is so well taken care of. If it would have been some stranger to leave my son, I would have been really upset. But I, I changed definitely when I had a baby. I felt like that was the moment I grew up. I, you know, I was... That was the last moment when I was definitely an adult and having this responsibility. Um, but it was a very positive experience overall, and it's been wonderful. Um, now it's ten and a half months old, and I've been back to work for quite a while. But the company that I work for is also very flexible, and, and to combine. Um, parenthood and work and so on so I feel like in my company it is as easy as it can get but to me it comes so naturally to to being able to work as well it's it's my own thing mm. uh, and it's very important to me excellent we've got some questions coming from our audience 
But bear with, with us a second. We gonna make sure that all the questions or majority of them are answered. And uh, uh, Mario also have got some exciting links to share. We'll share it after um, we talk to you. So you don't uh, run away to check out what we've got to share. But I would like to actually ask you, uh, uh, how was working remotely for your company? Because I think you're one of the first companies that implemented remote working a uh, long time before it went cool. It was cool. So, uh, and actually I remember you saying, you know, I can't meet you with you on Friday because I'm staying at home. And uh, so how was it for you? Was it a big shift or was it just the business as usual? Uh, it is still a big shift though, because we have always been working work from home, like you mentioned. Um, but it's been more of an exception than a rule. Uh, I tend to work from home maybe one day a week. And I can just kind of make up my own schedule to, to decide when I want to work from home. But now that there's not even the option to go to the office, um, it's been an adjustment. Um, and I feel like it's been an adjustment for everyone. Um, many people mentioned that they're really kind of missing each other physically and miss going to the office and so on. But we have had all the tools for remote work existing. So when this thing happened, um, we just started working from home. There wasn't a big shift. The only change that I made is that I brought my, my screen, my office screen to home so that I had a better uh, poster when I work and you know, I'm not going to kill my back and neck. So that was the only thing. So we've got a couple of questions. Thank you so much for being such a, a great um, uh, company today. Uh, Olga is asking, the curious to know how does Mario finds working with staff from other nations and I know that you've got quite a big mix of different nations different yeah. nationalities how is it for you it's my favorite thing and it's it, when I ask people they usually mention that as their favorite thing as well so we are currently 24 people and 13 nationalities so that's quite a bit of mixture and a diversity in one team mm. Mm. but it's such richness um, how people perceive problems and how they perceive new ideas uh, because they have a different background, different experience in life. They see things from such different perspective. And the, the amount that I can learn from these people and I've learned, it's, it's been excellent. Sometimes we have cultural classes. I mean, obviously people have such different habits. We have, um, you know, we have had people who are, you know, starts open and passionately talking and then we have nationalities who are much more quiet and they only say things after they have considered it for a while so sometimes we do need to translate each mm. other um mm. but overall it is it's 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 a richness and it is my favorite thing as well so it's it's a bit challenging but on the other hand you can have a traveling pill because people can tell you what's their country like. You can visit whichever country you wish and you can have a travel uh, advisor next yeah. to you and telling you what, <laughs> what you should see. So um, 
Fran uh, Moisa, who's been with us uh, a couple of weeks back, she actually delivered the first PhD. She uh, was uh, talking with me um, on the, the topic of recruitment and how to not uh, feel that you lost the job loss is the end of the world. And she's also one of the great leaders in the um, recruitment uh, industry. And she's asking us today, what tips do you have for keeping team engagement up from a collaboration when working remotely? That's a mm. tricky one. It is a tricky one. Um, and it's consistent work. It's not something that um, you do one trick and that's it. Um, you need to uh, be in touch with people constantly. Um, I encourage informal chats. I think it's so important to communicate with people outside of meetings. Um, people, you know, you might easily get into the habit that you just attend a meeting after a meeting after a meeting. Um, but having these informal chats with people and just asking how they are and you know, what's going on in their day, um, people appreciate that a lot. And, and when people ping me, uh, it's always my high priority, so if anyhow possible, I do try to drop what I'm doing at that moment and, and really focus on the conversation. I think people know this when I do that. Um, but I also encourage certain things, like um, I wrote, actually wrote an article about remote leadership, and one of the things that I mentioned over there was um, to, to create like a, also a personal development plan in this time I things like that and offering trainings and such um, has a big effect on the engagement um, and then you know when communicating um, I think it's important to learn to use like emoticons and gifs and things like that it might sound a bit odd uh, in the beginning but communicating emotions uh, it's also, I feel like it's, it has an effect on the communication quite a bit. But the engagement, it's a consistent effort. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I think we are going back to the Egypt time when people would uh, use signs and um, communicate this way better. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to use any emoticons at the moment, but you know, you can ask questions. Please keep uh, these questions coming because uh, we are speaking today, just a reminder, with Mario Kaiko, the uh, passionate leader of uh, the future. And so the question now, I think you can, many women can relate to you and, and think, you know, if they wanted to enter this field as a leader of the future, what would be the steps they should acquire? So you mentioned some worksheet. What, what else should they consider doing? Maybe some books, maybe some, I don't know, articles? Mm, yes, I think that I've benefited a lot by being quite curious. I do read a lot. Uh, just having an overall understanding on, on how companies run, what do they do, um, basic understanding how the numbers are built, what is um, a, a balance sheet, and 
what are the basic numbers and you know what is the company strategy and how those are built generally uh, i do recommend reading art articles on such publications than you know harvard business review which is my favorite one i read that a lot um it it, it has an, a big a big impact because you as a leader, even though you are only, only leading a tech team, you do need to have an understanding of your surroundings and on, on the company and to show that knowledge and, and to show that you understand, you mm. know, the yeah. things, yeah. you know, the other departments as well. Mm, uh, absolutely. One, one thing that I uh, actually, you, you kind of uh, suggested that by talking about, you know, you have to understand how the company is working. So you basically say you have to stay curious all the time. Yeah. You have to be curious about how different processes run. But also I think it's a, um, it's a task for a leader to do that to your team and also define other leaders because we are entering a different era. It used to be like a management style of, I keep all the power to myself and that's how I feel important. Whereas now it's more, I feel important because I divide my tasks and I make sure that everybody is part of the team. So how, how do you believe think uh, that is, you know, how do you define, for example, leaders within your team? And how do you divide these tasks among your team? Mm, I do delegate a lot and I want to empower the people in my team. I want to recruit the type of people who are smarter than me and know things better than me to, to, to um, empower them. So I do believe not holding on to everything and trying to control everything, because it's a it's you know it's a common effort. The better that your team members do, um, the better you're doing. So mm. having the skill to delegate is extremely important. Oh, absolutely. We see today we are joined by Mariela. Hello, Maria. It's lovely to see you. And Mariela, she's the president of BPW Business Professional Women. It's a delightful pleasure to have you here. And Mariela is asking, what advice do we give women who are re-entering the workforce in the post-COVID environment? That's a really tricky good one. question and a tricky one. Um, I think I can give one advice and it's to have confidence. Women tend to lack confidence and tend to underestimate themselves so much and they tend to not look at themselves as the same line as others. Um, that's a big problem if women just understood that they have the same skills as the people above them and they have the same knowledge or even more than that. So to have a lot of confidence in your skills and your competence and to show that people rely on people who are who they think that are confident. If you're so confident then people yeah, they must know what they're doing. But no one knows what's gonna happen after the COVID situation is over. So I'm curious to see that. 
Well, uh, Mariela, thank you very much for this question because uh, we discussed a little bit about it um, on the, our first PhD with Frank, who was talking about believing yourself. And also we talked a little bit about the fact that it's going to be much easier, and that was the topic of our third discussion with uh, Coach Amina. Dr. Amina talked about how much easier it's going to be for you if you acknowledge what you achieved. Because sometimes it's for many women, it's so difficult to know, well, I, I am just a housewife, but really, seriously, you've been managing your um, household, you've been making sure that your kids are delivered at school on timely mannered, manner, and you've been making sure that your husband has got uh, lunch, lunch, whatever. So you are there, you have arrived. So there are so many things you can bring to the table to the prospective employer. You just don't realize, you don't make that list. And, until, and unless we make that list of things we achieved things we've done whether you're a housewife or whether you know whatever background you're coming from you've got things to bring to the table you just need to show the passion and believe in yourself so because nobody wants to uh well not many people uh, will want to employ when the situation is going to change from less than three percent unemployment to i don't even know what the statistics is uh, at the moment um but it's going to be somewhat different environment and different scenario for many um, employees and many employers. And so I think um, that leads us to the question of how, uh, what are the five kind of uh, leadership uh, traits that everybody should have that you believe that you want to see in your team? Mario. Um, yeah, so I have been doing some talks um, in the Women in Tech forums. And one of the talks that I deliver is the main competencies every leader in today's world should have. And I mentioned five main things. And these five main things are based on um, statistical data. So uh, both leaders and employees being investigated to, to and what they think that are the most important things for them. And also, you know, based on my own experience. So. Um, the first one would be to, to provide safety, um, the sense of safetyness. That's, you know, it's a, it's a neuroscience fact that uh, when we don't feel safe or we feel threat to our safety, we kind of go into this flight or fight mode and, and it will automatically shut down certain functionalities from our brain. Uh, we are not able to innovate or come up with new ideas and so on. And the sense of safetyness can be threatened in, in a lot of ways. So it's not just a physical one. It's also um, something that, you know, you hear a rumor in the company about something that you really realize that, you know, it's going to have an effect on my job. And, you know, you, you, you mm. immediately get into that feeling. Um, yeah. It's actually... Something we talked about with Fran, which was if you're thinking about buying or making redundancies, make sure you speak to your employees because in a couple of months time, the situation might change and these people will not want to be with you if you didn't make sure that they are on the same page and they understand why company had to make this or other decision, right? 
Yeah, and communication, you know, if you ask any employee from any company or anyone, what's one of the main issues in the company, everyone is going to say communication. Um, but yeah, the other skills that I would say, one of them is like nurturing growth. And when I say nurturing growth, it's not about providing trainings. It's about getting to know the employees and getting to know their strengths and what they are good at. Not even they necessarily know themselves uh, or they understand or know what their career path should look like. So you as a manager, you need to get to know them. And it's so important to build on strengths, especially women tend to look at themselves and think of what are my weaknesses and trying to fix them. But what you mentioned earlier about, you know, I'm just a housewife. But think about your strengths. Think about your, you know, you might have excellent organizational skills or excellent stress management, or you're really good at making quick decisions and build on those. In, you know, just don't try to fix it. <laughs> and, you know, everything about yourself. Everyone has weaknesses, and you so what's the point? Um, when the nurturing growth is, it's so important. And you know, personal development plans and providing opportunities and challenges um, to your employees. And mm. yes, and then there are things like communication and belonging because. Communication, you know, sense of belonging is like a human need, like food and shelter. Uh, the worst punishment that you can give to a person is to, in a prison, is to put them in isolation. People rather spend time with other people who have murdered their mothers than be isolated because the human need for connection is so strong. Um, so you need to have the skill and ability to build that sense of belonging and connection to your employees and the team. And, you know, I, I did talk about communication before already. I cannot highlight how important to be uh, able to communicate is and how much to pay attention to it and how much, you know, it's important to communicate outside of meetings as well and encourage that informal communications in, in chat time. I think chat is a great tool. I think it's so mm -hmm. underestimated, undervalued. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I would say there's the ability to, to learn, like constant learning. Uh, first of all, you as a manager and leader need to a lead by example that you are able to change opinions and admit that you're wrong. If your team members, you know, challenge you, they, you know, my team members challenge me a lot if I say something. They definitely challenge what I'm saying. And mm. I think that they appreciate me more when I'm able to say that, you know what, you're right, I was wrong. Yeah, that's a really valid point. Um, than if I wouldn't be able to do that. So that's extremely important. And when you do that and you create the type of environment where it's, you know, it's fine to be wrong, it's, it's not a big deal, um, then people, you know, they learn from each other. and they are more able to, to, you know, change opinions and so on. So mm. this kind of constant learning mm. is, is also extremely important. Yeah, so we've got four or five. So there was safety, nurturing, sense of belonging and, and curiosity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I wonder what I'm, I'm missing. Something. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's actually, oh, you know, quite funny because 
yeah, I was trying to motivate my daughter, and my daughter at one stage was like, why do I want to learn math? I don't want to go into maths, and I, I hate and I, I hate physics. Why do I want? Do I need to do that? So, my uh, explanation to her was: Look, girl, you're gonna enter this room, and there's going to be the most fantastic-looking guy, and you're gonna look cool if you're going to impress him with some knowledge. It doesn't have to be deep, but at least. When he says, I'm astrophysicist, you're not going to see, say, I'm a Capricorn as an answer, right? <laughs> yeah. By the so, way, if, uh, the last one was diversity. <laughs> oh, the last one. <laughs> one of the most important things that we spoke about already, diversity. Like, it's not just yeah, the diversity of your team, but, you know, the diversity. I think you as a leader are as successful yeah. as you have the, the diverse connections and the network that you have around you. So you need to connect with people outside of your normal social circles or outside of your age group or outside of your gender and get to know people and learn from them and, you know, obviously mm. different nationalities as well. It oh. is such reasons. But yeah, diversity is so important. It's, oh, it's a necessity. That's it's uh, diversity drives innovation. Let's face it, when you've got yes. people coming from different backgrounds, with different history, with different experience, and coming and uh, in collaborative process, bringing some new ideas, it's going to be much better than if you worked on it on your own. So um, sense of belonging, that's a tricky one when you've got remote teams. How do you keep that sense of belonging? What are maybe some exercise or maybe some tips? How do you manage to keep them belonging to your group? Mm. Well, I was lucky in the sense that the team that I have, they are, you know, even before the situation, spending a lot of free time together and so on. So they do a lot of things um, that doesn't include me. Uh, but the things that we do with the work, uh, we started, for example, a daily coffee break. Yeah, we do that at one o'clock. It's, uh, it's just an informal chat. Um, I usually, you know, inform and communicate something that's going on and something that's been happening. It doesn't necessarily have to be support official things um, mm -hmm. but you know just keep people updated just have a chat anyone can talk about anything maybe someone wants to present something that they have done or a piece of work or ask questions there are people who have been asking help on some tools that they are using like does anyone have experience that someone can help me with this and this and these kind of things engage people um, can, you give, can you give us an example an example of here's the great example for example i know i know um, one of the managers of uh, one technology company they do uh, yoga wednesdays and they yeah, join together good, yeah. and they try to do on zoom some yoga and maybe you've got some example of similar things and actually i do my uh, saturday's morning uh, coffee with my bestie from from Torun. and i've done it uh, before uh, maybe not so often because now I, i'm quite more attached to having that uh, coffee in the morning because i don't have opportunity otherwise but uh, maybe you've got some 
hints and tips how to actually make sure that uh, your well-being is uh, of your team is uh, uh, your top priority? Um, well, we do the daily coffee break and then we have this end of the day call. It's not compulsory to attend. I mean, usually there's just maybe half of the people or even less and you know, different people every day. Uh, but the idea of that meeting is that you kind of let it all out, you know, people can rant or just let anything out that they've been doing on the day that's been bothering them and annoying them. And when that meeting is over, the workday is done and you don't get back to it. So you kind of clean the slate and then, you know, you stop because when you work from home, it might be very difficult to define when the workday ends and your free time starts. For me as well, so, you know, that's time to you know, go into my computer and check something. And mm. Yeah, that's the idea. So, and for, we don't do yoga or anything. I think that's a great idea is to start doing that. But the, the end of the day thing, it's more of a mental. Oh, mental somebody, health. we just had a, had a reaction, emoticon with a cry face. Maybe it's somebody from your team uh, wishing to have some yoga. Who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they can, maybe they they can. can explain why this tear face on our discussion. So, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I would like to actually uh, talk to you about how do you manage conflict within your team? Because I think one of the great traits of leader is to notice that conflict and actually have a proper reaction to a conflict because nobody's the same and people are dealing differently and sometimes uh, wrong face may create a conflict. How do you deal with that? Mm, I definitely needing to be a mediator quite a few times. Even the most mm -hmm. smartest people do get into conflicts with each other. Um, so I get involved as a mediator. I don't take sides and just try to uh, always, if someone is hurt, then try to remind them that, you know, I'm sure that it isn't, you know, anything personal and just try to kind of translate these two people to each other because obviously there's been some kind of a misconception. People don't usually try to hurt each other on purpose. So these things gotta happen by accident, by misunderstanding. So um, this mediator role is not always easy either. Um, and there might be some conflicts that you're not able to, to negotiate, but so far, you know, we've been managing to do that. And once the conflict is over and it's done, then it's done. We don't get back to it anymore. That's, that's a good advice. Uh, that's, um, sometimes not easy, but, uh, Hiding anything under the carpet is not a good idea. And actually, I wanted to ask you about, um, because throughout this process and uh, achieving and uh, climbing up the ladder, I'm sure there were people who helped you along the way. Could you share a story? How, who impacted your career the most? Why and how? Mm, I think that the CEO of the company where I was the, the CDO. Um, I really appreciate the fact that he, you know, you know, first of all, you know, gave me the role and then 
empowered me and really trusted me to to deliver. I really appreciated it. That it felt really amazing, and I appreciated it a lot. So I really tried to, you know, do my best, and I invested everything into that. Um, to this day, I really highly respect and look up to this person. Um, and I know that others did as well. He was extremely liked and respected. Uh, so I would think that he's one of the, the main people who has um, affected my career. And there's, yeah, there's been many people though. Mm. I, I think this is another uh, that interlines with what you said before, which is you need to make sure that people see the potential in you and prove it every day, which is kind of tricky. You had a very uh, good situation because your husband is very supportive. He's uh, now looking after your son. So how was the, the concept of actually looking your husband looking after the son not being the the breeder of the so so uh bread winner of uh, of the family how was it this situation because i actually have to say a friend of mine who's got similar uh, scenario at her home uh, was met with a lot of skepticism and also her husband is not really um, perceived as a uh, you know manly enough how is it for you mario well, it's definitely a bigger problem for others than for us. Um, we have, uh-huh. yes, uh, we do face some um, judgment as well. I remember when I told people that, you know, um, I'm, you know, I'm coming back to work, I'm taking five and a half months off and then I'm back to work. I did get a lot of skepticism and people like, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see about that. It's not going to happen. You know, you're just saying it. And uh, that felt a little odd to me. It's like, you know, I'm able to make my own plans. <laughs> uh, but people do sometimes give us some judgment. It's like, I don't know, um, I review my, my husband as extremely manly and masculine. Uh, being, uh, and I appreciate the fact that him being a stay-at-home father doesn't have an effect on his self-confidence, quite the opposite, he's really proud of it, and you know, that makes him so manly to me, and I just try to show people by example, I guess, that this is also, this also works. My husband is Finnish, though, and in Finland it's still it's quite common that the men stay at home for a while as well, so I don't think it was that a big deal for him to begin with. Well, it's it's uh, certainly uh, the, um, the way Finns are dealing with um, roles at home is somewhat different to Malta. Uh, can you delve into it a little bit? Did you have some difficulties explaining what it's like? Um, I don't know, sometimes. Uh, I mean, you know, my husband is home, so obviously he's doing a lot more housework than I am, you know, doing the laundry and taking care of stuff. Uh, people do sometimes wonder, and you know, when you speak to people, you see from their faces that they kind of want to say something, but they don't. Um, but 
I don't bother to explain something <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with them, I guess. Well, it's, that takes a lot of confidence. You you don't uh, really care about what other people think of you because it's none of your business. It's really what you are trying to achieve. And it's, uh, it's as you said, it's about emotions, not uh, being able to talk about emotions, not being emotionally as unstable because there is uh, no way in a business to be emotionally unstable. There are some ways you can deal with the problems and um, that actually brings us to how do you believe your son's future is going to be because he's got a strong female leader at home he's got a father who's looking after him what do you think his future will be whether technology whether it's uh, how he's going to be uh, perceiving the world what's it like for him how can you delve in the future Ah, that's a tricky question. Um, I'm not sure what his future will bring. I'm really curious to see that. Um, now that I'm watching him grow up, I already see kind of like what kind of personality he's going to be and what kind of temper he has. I just really want to encourage him to um, following his dreams and you know just following the things that he is you know passionate about and also to work hard on those things uh to really try to to achieve something within them but i'm really i'm a little bit scared considering you know the technology and what kind of effect that will be and how am i able to teach him on how to read internet because internet is so full of all kind of things so how does he how is he able to understand what's right and what's wrong and, and what is correct and what's not and how to you know keep him safe from the type of content that i don't want a child to see and so on so these are the kind of things that i think about and i'm scared and i don't know the answer to so i guess i'm gonna find out so would you say that's one of because this was the topic uh, in our previous phd would you say the fear of your child's future is the biggest fear at the moment or is there any other fear that you're kind of struggling with at the moment i don't i'm not afraid of his future i don't think i'm afraid i'm kind of curious to see what the future will bring for him um I don't think I have any kind of very big fears at the moment. I do consider myself extremely lucky that in this situation I'm able to, to continue in my job. I'm employed, my family is healthy and doing well. Um, I try not to be afraid of things that I don't know that will happen, for example. Uh, I just hope that, you know, obviously things will stay as they are. Hmm. I think it's also what helps is the ability to uh, adjust to change because uh, one of the topics Malta, we are based in Malta, you're, I guess, uh, talking from Sliema, the biggest expat ghetto, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Indeed. So 
In Malta, just last year, we launched the uh, artificial intelligence um, uh, framework, and we talked about how many people are afraid of losing jobs, whereas the concept of losing job because there is artificial intelligence who is going to be more intelligent than humans is rather uh, funny, given the fact that at the moment, nobody thought about COVID-19 and we are we've got this uh, great platforms and actually yesterday I attended uh, one of the Wall Street Journal uh, meetup and online and they struggled with the Zoom meetup and the Vimeo was collapsing every so often so Technology is not up to scratch, really. And uh, what we really need to focus on is the only uh, certain in life and in business is change. And you have to adapt to it faster than it, uh, it is going to scare you. So um, on that note, uh, we are hitting uh, last minutes of questions and we've got an interesting question. I know that you didn't really want to comment on that, but let's delve deeper into, um, into the topic of, uh, let me just see that, um, sorry. Uh, what are, are there differences in management approach, female, and or male? Did you notice any within your team um, or in the company? I don't know. I, I feel a little, I mean, sometimes weird to say that, you know, females are like this and men are like this. Um, but I do think that women have generally better emotional intelligence. And when you have that, it's, an, it's such an important tool. So when you approach people, um, it's going to make an enormous difference in how people perceive you, how you're able to motivate them, how you're able to engage them, um, how you're able to deliver information that they might not like or they need to work on a project that they might not be that interested about, interested in and so on. Yeah. The emotional intelligence is going to make the world of difference. Um, women generally tend to have more emotional intelligence um, and they should be proud of that and build on that. Well, I'm definitely proud of that. I'm telling you, sister. So that's actually uh, brought me to this interesting topic. Again, we are back to the square one of uh, women are uh, maybe sometimes less aggressive than they are perceived as being weak or too aggressive than they are perceived as being a bitch. And uh, which actually brings me this uh, very, very interesting um, speech that that Surgeon Truth gave a couple of years back. It was in 19th century. She delivered a speech called Ain't I a Woman? Speech on at Women's Rights Convention in Ohio. And uh, the, the, to give you a bit of background, uh, the speech happened because uh, some ministers, some male ministers joined the convention and said, you know, women can't be uh, leaders, they can't have the same rights because uh, of Jesus and because uh, <laughs> because Eve was seen. And actually she spoke about uh, the fact that 
to, to women, uh, even though Eva was a sinner, if the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down, all along, these women together ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up again which I think is a great um, topic for discussion because we've seen so many female leaders. Uh, we've seen many female leaders during COVID. We've seen many uh, prime ministers leading um, their ministries uh, abroad and uh, they led by example and they are great models. Who is your great role model? Oh, wow, you mentioned the Prime Minister, a Finnish Prime Minister is a woman my age. So I think that's such an encouragement and it shows that the world has definitely changed and she's done an amazing job handling this kind of crisis and I'm just confident she didn't expect this uh, when, she, when she had the position that this is one of the first things she needs to do. So I really look up to her and, and, and I find that extremely like I said, encouraging. Um, yeah, I think the Fantastic. last thing that I just want to say is that women have all the qualifications and the competences. The only thing that they miss is the confidence in themselves. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I have to uh, admit that uh, I am holding tight because we are at seven o'clock, but uh, there is a question I always want to ask. Uh, um, my guests, and I guess it's time for this question. If COVID-19 finished tomorrow, lockdown is finished, who would you bring to this private breakfast uh, and where would you like to have that private breakfast? Whoever in the world. Oh, wow, that's really... Well, I mentioned the Finnish Prime Minister. I would definitely want to meet her and talk to her and ask her uh, how did she approach the crisis? How did she approach her decision making? How did she manage to, to you know, remain calm and remain objective to the situation and so on? Um, I think that would be really, really exciting conversation. And to talk about leadership in general. A woman, you know, 34 years old woman, a prime minister, I think that's... Quite, quite and where? In Finland. In Finland. In Finland. Is there yes. any particular place you would like to take her to? Mm, I don't know. Oh my God, there are a million different places that I would like to visit in this world. So many exciting places. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never been to Asia, well, for example. So anywhere in Asia. <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. Thank you so much, Mario. And I hope uh, if you have that meeting, you won't be headhunted to join the political career because uh, <laughs> you're definitely much more important in technology field. And I hope you stay uh, long and uh, prosper. And I wish you to succeed. And I wish our audience to succeed. And again, take an example and Think about role models um, and how you are going to shape your future and take that little step every day. Micro actions lead to big impact for the future. 
Thank you very much, everybody. It's been a pleasure to have you, Mario. And I'm looking forward to next week. Join us at 6 o'clock. Women on it, hack the future. Positivity hack delivered by Beata Young and Mario Kaiko. Thank you. Thank Goodbye. you. Thank you.